Hey friend, welcome to the Semi-Seminarian. What we do here at this podcast is we examine the Bible as if we're grown-ups. Here on the Semi-Seminarian, we assume that more than likely we were either taught the Bible as children or maybe we were taught as adults by people who were taught the Bible as children. And often that's left us wanting for answers in adult world. So what we're doing is we're looking at the Bible as if we're a bunch of grown-ups. This week we are looking at the famous story of Jacob and Jacob's Ladder. Won't you come with us? I hope so. And go back with me in time. Uh, to our story of this guy named Jacob. Tonight we're going to be looking at a story that you may know the story. You might know what the story is. This is going to be the story of Jacob's Ladder. Uh, Definitely one of those children's church, VBS kind of things. But at the same time, you might know the story of Jacob's Ladder. But you you might, if I were to say, well, yeah, but what's Jacob's Ladder? What's What's the story about? Uh, right? Okay, that's what we're going to do. So, uh, there are series here is called Jacob Enigma. We're using that word enigma because it means a puzzle. It means something that's a mystery. What's mysterious to us about Jacob is, one, uh, that he seems to love God. Oh, the Bibles. He seems to love God, yeah. He seems to love God, but he goes about trying to establish God's blessings in his life by trying to take control for himself. And then the other part of the enigma is despite all of Jacob's being a a pretty stupid guy about this, God still loves him. And God still wants to pass the blessings through him. So... Not only is it an enigma, a mystery, that uh, Jacob actually wants and loves God, based on how he acts, but the other enigma is that uh, Jacob uh, is loved by God. And we see ourselves, all this, all, every week, we're going to say to ourselves, uh, we see ourselves in Jacob. This is what I want you to see. You are Jacob for the good and the bad. You are Jacob. So, uh, tonight's story, uh, our Bibles are Genesis 28. Um, We're looking at the story of Jacob again. Again, this is a story that if you've been for a Christian for several years, you probably have heard this story. So, Genesis chapter 28, beginning to read at verse 10. uh, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. So, here's our little map down here. Beersheba's down here at the bottom, right? Uh, And... Right here, Bethel, is where he's going to go to. He's going actually all the way up here to Haran. That's going to be the story of next week. But right now, on this journey, he's right right here at the second dot down here at the bottom. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. 
I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. The descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you, God says, until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And he says, I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. That Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I will return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set as a pillar will be of God's house. And all that you give me, God says, or, or Jacob says, I will give you a tenth. Okay. Title of tonight's message again is Jacob's crazy dream. Remember, as we've been studying the life of Jacob, we've seen that Jacob really epitomizes everything that's in our fleshly humanity. Remember, Jacob's name uh, literally means to grasp, to supplant, to snatch at, trying to grab something. Jacob is the kind of guy uh, who got places in life being an an opportunist by uh, believing Uh, By believing that it was his work and his energy in his fleshliness rather than waiting on God's timing and believing on God's promises. He did want, Jacob did want God's best in his life, but he wanted to get it by his own strength. Now we've seen these last previous weeks, and I'm not going to replow this ground tonight, right? But the only answer to this idea of human flesh, whether it's the bad flesh that manifests itself in sin or when we break God's laws, right? Or iniquity in your life or whatever. But, but also there's the good flesh. There's the good flesh with good intentions, trying to get God's favor by doing good works. And that's a, a really good working definition, I think, of religion. Trying to gain God's favor by doing God's works. Good works, rather. Right? But the, there's no answer for either the good flesh or the bad. The only remedy for flesh is death. Death upon the cross. We cannot wrestle with it. We can't overcome the bad by doing good. There is only one way, and that is the way of the cross. When Jesus died and realized that you have died in Him. Right? And that your fleshly sins may die in Him as well. But that's not enough. We also need to replace it with something. We need to replace the flesh. So we need to answer this question. Is there something that authentically substitutes and supplants the counterfeit, the fake energy of the flesh, right? The the thing that gets us in so much trouble. Whether it's we get in trouble, whether we get it blatantly through sin, Right? Or even religious practices that we practice and they just get us in circles and we actually don't ever go anywhere. 
The answer to that question is yes, there is something. It's the revelation of God's spirit that is the answer, right? I'm going to present to you through the story of Jacob's dream, his unconscious encounter, right? This this crazy night. I'm going to introduce to you, present to you a principle, a principle that I believe to be true within the kingdom of God. And that is, it is not by might nor by power, right? God's words in Zechariah, the prophet, 4 and 6, but by my spirit, God says. To put it another way, and I will explain what I'm saying, another way to say this we find in Proverbs 22, 29, and 18. Without a vision, the people perish. Another translation of this uh, verse Without, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. In other words, people need to. We need to be hearing from God. Because the fleshly counterfeit energy of our human nature is not enough. We cannot get what we need. Right? We can't, we can't get what we need from God by trying to do it by getting it by our own power. By that fleshly energy we must have revelation from god and without that vision people are being destroyed and what happens in that instance rather when that happens is this that flesh will surface and revelation will become absent right another way of saying it when god is not speaking your flesh begins shouting When you can't hear from God in your own ears, the flesh will begin to yell at you. Right? There's a biblical illustration of this. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, we read there, The boy Samuel Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was where in those days? There was no widespread revelation. This verse says. Now let me give you a little bit of background of this story. Right? Uh, Eli, at the time, is the high priest. But what this verse is basically saying is, there was no voice of God in those days. God was not speaking through revelation and vision the way that He used to do. Because there was no vision, Eli was personifying this in the story by his physical blindness. Eli the high priest was blind. Okay. Um, let's see. So the people of God, they were not seeing, symbolized through Eli. And he, because he's the guy trying to lead them. And he wasn't giving them leadership either because God wasn't speaking to him. His own two sons, Eli's own two sons, ministered as priests, but they were abhorred by the Lord. Sorry, they were abhorrent to the Lord. Okay? So these two sons are killed. The Ark of the Covenant, in which the physical manifestation of God exists on this earth, was stolen by the Philistines. Right? His two sons are killed. When he hears the news about that, he throws him back so hard that he breaks his own neck. And his daughter-in-law, one of his son's wives, she's giving birth. And when she hears of her husband's death... Her water's broke, she begins to give birth, and she dies in childbirth. But before she dies, she names that son Ichabod, 
which means the glory has departed from Israel. The picture here, things are going really badly for the people of God. Why? Because there was no open vision. God had stopped speaking to the people. We as Christians today, those of us seeking spiritual victory, we need to understand the importance of hearing God's voice. When revelation ceases, spiritual life ceases. And that's why I think so many people are in the spiritual predicament that they're in today. Because they're certainly just not listening and hearing from God. Jacob had come to this juncture in his life where God just flat needed to break in, to interrupt his fleshly cycle. God had to do something with Jacob crazy. Now please note, God doesn't force Jacob to do anything. I don't think God forces anyone to do anything. But what God did was give him a revelation of his own truth, of God's truth. And then he left Jacob to have Jacob work it out and obey. The point I want to make tonight is this man, Jacob, was so full of fleshly scheming that God had to render him unconscious before he could speak to him. Isn't that incredible? He had to put, he had to put Jacob under an anesthetic so that he could gain his attention. There are people in this world today, right? And the Lord needs their attention. I want to ask you, just, you know, and you're rhetorically, how, how, the, how maybe has the Lord ever allowed debilitation to take place in your life in order to get your attention so that maybe you might get stopped right in your tracks of fleshly striving and conniving to confront you? Maybe you just become too busy with life. Or religion. You just become frantic over things, with things, and with stuff. Good and bad. You've just become worn out from trying to do all you can for God. You're doing the good and you're doing the bad and you have become frantic. It's still not enough. Now, we read in the Acts of the Apostles, which is the story of the early church, in the 13th chapter of the Acts, verse 2, we read there that the early apostles ministered of the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Spirit spoke to them, told them what to do. And that's what we need to do. Waiting upon God and listening for His voice. Now, admittedly, we have seen what a in an earthly sense, what a great man Jacob was. He had ingenuity, he had strength, he had cunning, he, inte- he had intellig- intelligence, but what he really needed was revelation. And that's what we all need. God needs to speak to us. Something that can't be learned at a college or a university or a seminary, right? This is something that has to be imparted to us in our hearts. In other words, it's a gift of grace not of works. God gives it to us freely. We can't earn it. Right? That's how God chooses to work. And yet here we see Jacob, right, without going, again, without going over old ground that we've covered, Jacob leaves home under this cloud of threat, the threat of death, right, from his brother Esau. 
We remember, we kind of looked at the individual characters of his family. We decided last week that they were utterly dysfunctional. His world had become a battlefield. And all because of his fleshliness and the fleshliness of his family. And now he's on this lonely journey. Right? This is a long, it's about 500 miles from here to there. Probably took him uh, traveling by foot about two months to make this journey. Right? He has begun on a long journey, a lonely journey. He lies down probably totally exhausted. Exhausted running in the flesh, from his flesh. And all of a sudden, as he expires, God steps in as only God can. Perhaps there's someone here tonight. I believe that there is. Maybe this describes you. What we need only God could give, we cannot create it for ourselves. The lesson of Jacob. We need God to reveal himself like he revealed himself in Jacob. But we also need to see that this story tonight, this crazy dream was God's appointment. Now, I'm not saying, and please don't misunderstand, I'm not trying to say that we can't seek and find the Lord any darn time in any darn place we want if we truly want to. I'm not saying that. But there are moments, there are times, there are places where God invades whether it's by our choice or not, right? right? Where God arrests us and captivates our attention. We see it in verse 11. If you look at chapter 28, verse 11, Jacob came to a certain place and stayed there all night. There is a certain time and a certain place, and it was the right time and it was the right place for Jacob. This was God's timing. This was God's appointment. I want to ask you, friends, what time is it? I don't be looking at your watch, right? When is this guy going to shut up, right? I mean, in your lives, what time is it? Remember, friends, it's always the right time to stop and seek the Lord. For whatever reasons you've come here tonight, your own family, maybe your church, right? You have your own personal dreams, Maybe you've been given visions by God, little ones, and metaphorically speaking. Now, of course, right, this here that we're describing is a literal dream that Jacob had. And and we know from the Bible that dreams are significant in the way that God uses them to speak to people and continues to speak to people. And as well, it reminds us that in the ancient world, right, dreams were often understood to be communication with God. But here's my question to us. Are we watching for? Are we waiting on? Are we looking to God to perform His world in our lives? In our own calling? In the environment that He's put, it, put us in? Or have we given up? Right? God did give you a dream. Maybe God did impart a vision to you. But through disappointment, through distractions, we've become diverted. Listen to Habakkuk, the vision, the prophecy of Habakkuk 2 and 3. God is going to bring it alive again. For there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and it does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So I suppose what I'm trying to say here is some of us uh, know there's time. 
And then there's also these moments of opportunity in our lives. Things that we refer to, that I'll refer to tonight as God moments. Moments of opportunity. Not a moment in time like 716, but a moment where you just know, right? But if you know that, I wonder, are we recognizing it when we see it? Are we stepping into it? Are we seizing it? Ephesians chapter 5 says we need to redeem that time. When we recognize those times of God breaking in our lives, we need to seize upon those opportunities because the days are evil and the time is running like sand through our fingers. This opportunity, this window is not going to stay open forever. Maybe you're saying, Tim, I don't know what you are talking about. I don't have a vision from God. I certainly don't see an open door in front of me. I don't see a a gateway to heaven and certainly not something I would consider a God moment. I don't understand what you're talking about. Well, one of the big lessons we get from Jacob's life story is that, remember, what he already possessed, he couldn't see. Remember? He already had, had the blessings from God. But he couldn't see it for himself that he already had them. He thought he didn't have them. Right? He thought he had to strive to try to achieve, to scheme them. He had the promise. We can go back and look in 25 and 23. God gave a promise to his mother that the elder would serve the younger. That Esau wouldn't get this blessing. Yet he had to scheme to try to get it. He had to buy it he thought, his birthright, in order that he might get God's blessing. Yet, God's favor continued upon him. If we read verse 12 through 16, we see that God was blessing him in the dream here, Genesis 28. God says, I'm with you. I'm going to do all these things for you. So what has changed in Jacob's environment? Moving from thinking that he hadn't got these things to realizing that he had. I don't think anything changed in Jacob's environment, to be honest. What I think changed was Jacob's perception and Jacob's perspective. He could only see with the vision from God, and and that's how it starts. He could only see from revelation. God had to show him this. And God has to show us the truth. He needs to show us sometimes what we already had. He needs, sometimes we need our, his help. Our, we need his help to open our eyes, to unplug our ears, to soften our hearts. Right? And that's how this ordinary wilderness here, second dot down here, this ordinary barren wilderness where Jacob puts his head down on a stone, Right? As he puts his head down to sleep, that night ends up becoming a house of God. How? When God imparts a vision. Let's watch his actions. Look at verse 18. Look at what he does after the dream. Jacob, after the dream, rose early in the morning and took the stone that he put at his head and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. Now, uh, back at verse 11 at the beginning of the story... He says, he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. He took one of the stones out of that place and put it at his head 
And he laid down in that place to sleep. He made a pillow out of a stone. Strange thing. But do you think that when he lifted that stone to lie down for the night, that he thought that that stone had any significance? Do you think that the situation that you might be in your life right now, in this moment of time, maybe you don't see it as a God moment. Maybe you don't see an opportunity in your life for God to step in. And you don't even feel like anything significant is, uh, there's anything significant about you. What do you think about where you're at right now? What do you think about what you're doing right now? Did Jacob think that there was anything unique about this stone? Of course he didn't. If you could imagine, I certainly would. If that was all he had to use for a pillow, he probably hated it. I would, right? That would not have been a very comfortable pillow. It was something insignificant. It was even something that was painful to him. Most assuredly, it was not what he wanted or what he expected his blessings to look at. But by God's intervention at God's appointed time, that stone was transformed into what? A marker, a monument, a memorial to the blessing of God and an encounter with God in his life. Now, I just have to tell you guys, this is amazing to me because Jacob couldn't see any of this. Probably, and I'm just going to say this tonight, we might be in the same situation where we cannot see. Are we seeing God in our circumstances, God in our environment, God in our situation, right? But if God tonight imparts a vision upon you, you're going to see something never seen before. Because ordinary things, things that we think of come out of wastefulness and barrenness, right? Things that we think have no value when they become ordained by God, when they are given an imparted vision from God, they become anointed carriers of God's blessing. Right? God in our environment. God in our situation. That's why the stone was a pillow and became a pillar that was set upright, anointed with oil, and it became a monument to God's dealings in Jacob's life. In the space of one evening, one dream, all of that changed. Why? Because God had given him a vision. Now, big question for us. What is dreaming? Now, I don't mean daydreaming. I don't mean like the kind of dream you might have after too much Detroit-style pizza from Pizza Hut. Right? I'm talking about dreaming of God. Getting dreams from God. What is this vision that we're talking about? I'm trying to make this as simple as possible. It's the only way that I really understand it. But basically God dreaming in this way, casting these visions, is allowing God to dream through you. God is dreaming through you. Right? Remember, as a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. And and so vision is God's eyes looking through you so that you're able to see as God sees. God wants to dream through you. God wants to bring his plans, his purposes, his blessings to you. That is God's dream, that his kingdom should come, that his will should be done. But here's the question. Are we dreaming his dream 
Are we seeing his vision? Or are we dreaming our own? That's right. What was God's dream and vision for Jacob? Okay. Let's look at it. Verse 13. First of all, a land. Here's a, here we go. What's the dream about? First, a blessing of the land. Right? And the Lord stood beside him or above him, your Bible might say. It said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land in which you lie, I will give you and to your offspring. Now, this, of course, is a promise that is specific to what would become the nation of Israel. But the blessing of inheritance of the nations that is promised here is in Abraham, and it's to the whole world. And we as Christian believers believe that it's fulfilled through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's being fulfilled now as multitudes continue to come into the kingdom of Christ. The blessing is the blessing of the land, but it's also the blessing of offspring. Verse 14, and your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and shall spread you, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and your offspring. Right now, this is the Jewish people. Right? But again, all the families of the earth shall be blessed through the promise was given by God to Abraham. Now listen, when God conceives of something, right, like the Holy Spirit in a vision, in a dream, there's always seems like this incubation period, like the natural seed in the womb. There's a period of gestation, but the object, but the objective of, of conception, of, of impregnation, of incubation and gestation, right? These types of things that happen when God plants these seeds of blessings. It's the same thing as, as travail and birth in the human experience. And friends, that's the whole point of this entire thing. If you ever wondered, and maybe been hanging out with your friends drinking too many ice waters or something, Smoking some grape leaves or something back out behind your grandma's house. And you go, why am I here, man? (laughs) Let me tell you why you're here. You are here to participate in creation with the creator. That is the ultimate desire. The reason why there is a creation is that the creator desired that we participate in creation with the creator. And that requires our involvement in this gestation period of God's blessing, this incubation period. But remember, friends, God's intentions is always to bear fruit. God's own purpose has never changed. In the Garden of Eden, he says to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. When he destroys the earth because of sin and puts Noah in the ark, whenever the ark comes open, Right? He starts to reproduce and populate the earth. God said, be fruitful and multiply. God told Abraham, and this is the repetition, repetition of the Abrahamic blessing, right? That God was going to multiply his seed as the sands of the shore, as the stars of the sky. Whenever the Lord makes these promises of fruitfulness, listen, whenever God makes these promises of fruitfulness, if you are, have any real familiarity with the Hebrew scriptures at all, particularly this book that we're in, Genesis, right? You'll see that whenever God makes these types of promises, I'm going to multiply you, Satan comes in and he always tries to thwart that blessing by creating barrenness. Have you ever noticed that? How many times God brings his promise, right? 
anointed deliverer out of a barren and fertile womb. Again and again and again, this, the Lord has to work this same miracle. In Sarah's womb, Rebecca's womb, Hannah's womb. So there was land, there was offspring, but thirdly, there was protection and promises to be fulfilled. Verse 15, the point here of God visiting uh, young Jacob. Know that I am with you. That's the blessing. Not the land, not the offspring, none of that. Know that I am with you. And I will keep you wherever you go and bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until what I've, I've done what I promised for you. God will protect God's work. This baby that he's become instrumental in the birth of, the nation of Israel, all of the people of the world. He's going to fulfill his promises. He will fulfill his promises in you. Please do not be like Jacob and try with the arm of the flesh to make those things happen. Wait on God in faith. Like I just said, though, but ultimately God's dream was for his presence. Verse 15, know that I am with you. Look, through all of biblical history, right? God's heartbeat, God's desire, God's passion has always been to dwell in the midst of his people. Right? If you don't know that, know that. The whole point is so that God could dwell in the midst of, of his people. Right from the Garden of Eden when he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Right to the tabernacle where he dwelt with Israel in a power of a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of uh, fire by night. Right where he was in the Holy of Holies, where he dwelt over the Ark of the Covenant in that cloud that they call the Shekinah. Why do I say it wrong every time? The Shekinah, sorry. Which means, it means dwelling of God. I even prepare myself, don't say Shekinah. Every time, right out it comes, Shekinah. That word is Shekinah. Right on to the Lord Jesus Christ. The word, capital W, word of God. John chapter 1, 14. Who tabernacled. Who dwelt among us. Jesus was the absolute epitome because he was God manifest in the flesh. God had come to dwell in the midst of his people. God is always looking for a dwelling place. He's always looking for a Bethel. He's always looking for a piece of land, a group of people where he can rest. Do you want that? I sure do. You see, fair enough. Revelation called Jacob to see, caused Jacob to see what was real. Revelation caused to see him for him to see what was already there. And so what does he say? Our old buddy Jacob. Verse 16, surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it. Do you see this? Do you see the journey he's on? He comes, he comes down to this as far as he's concerned. It's this God-forsaken wilderness. This barrenness. And he lies down immediately exhausted from his striving to get the blessing of God. And that's what so many of our friends and neighbors, perhaps even you yourself, if you were honest, might be doing, striving and striving and striving and striving to get the blessing of God. God reveals himself to him with a head on a pillow and he wakes up and he thinks, God is here and I didn't even realize it. Some people just don't see it. 
Some Christians just don't see what's already there. Why? Because of the flesh. Right? Because there's something getting in the way of the revelation of God. What does God want? Right? Here's what God wants. He wants a house. He wants a gateway from heaven to earth. Verse 12, the dream. Behold, the ladder was set upon the earth. Now it's interesting that the ladder was uh, put upon the earth. It doesn't say that the ladder was sent down from heaven to earth. Right? Meaning to say it was already there. So, uh, the ladder set on earth. Right? Now, um, it was a stairway from heaven, from earth to heaven, rather. There are angelic menstruations passing between dimensions. Jacob found himself literally underneath an open heaven. Now, Jesus, we that are Christians, believe that Jesus is our open heaven. In fact, in John chapter 1, Jesus came to a Jew named Nathaniel, and he actually quotes from this Bible study story. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, You'll see heaven open up, the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He said to Nathaniel, you'll see even greater things than these. Jesus, Christian brothers and sisters, is our ladder to heaven. Where is the house of God today? 1 Corinthians 3 and 16, Paul says this, Do you know, he's talking to you, me. Do you know that you are the home? The house of the Holy Spirit. Right? The church and each individual Christian in the church is the home. The tabernacle of God. Right? That's what being a Christian is. Not going to church. Right? Christians doing good things and going to church on Sunday. Come to church. Don't be a goof. Right? But that's not what it's about. It's about Christians being the church. You are the temple of God in which God dwells. God's Holy Spirit is living in you. And that means that if you are a true born again Christian, you too are living under an open heaven. And we are to be stewards of our heavenly realm. We as Christians are to be gateways to God's glory. What does that mean? It means that when people see us, When people meet us, they meet heaven. Right? They are meant to meet God in His presence whenever He meets us. And I believe that that's what the church is supposed to be. People are meant to come in and sense being heavenly. Right? You are a gateway to heaven. You are an opening to heaven if you're a child of God. God wants gateways to heaven. We need to realize this. And listen. Right? I believe that God is making this place. I believe God is making this place a gateway to heaven. I believe that. I believe this, and especially tonight. This is God's moment for someone. Someone uh, once said, I don't have a credit for it, but uh, someone once said, getting us to heaven is not nearly as great a challenge as getting heaven into us. Right? For that to happen, it means that we must be a people saturated with God. But so many people today in our world, uh, what are they saturated by? They're saturated by things like addiction, materialism, sensuality, right? We're saturated by political correctness. We're saturated by these religious adherence to these crazy, right, rules that make uh, uh, Christianity, this beautiful, vibrant relationship with Christ, something that's dead and stagnant. 
that leaves so many people in our culture today. Maybe you know someone. Maybe you know some peoples, right? That this, this death, this barrenness has left people feeling like Jesus is meaningless in their lives. We're saturated in this world by death and despair and depression. We need to be saturated. We need to be a people saturated by God. I mean, can you a vision? Can you, can you truly receive an impartation of a vision tonight? What would it be like for God to be everywhere? Do you believe it's possible? Right? It's all to do with the Spirit of God imparting vision. And then, what do you do with it? Let's see what Jacob's response to the impartation of a vision is. Good old Jacob. Verse 20, quickly, and I'm closing. Do you know what? Here's what Jacob does, like always, right? He starts dealing with God. He starts trying to make arrangements with God. He's saying, verse 20, if God will be with me, God said to him, I will be with you. Right? He didn't say, uh, Jacob, I might be with you. He said, Jacob, I will be with you. Jacob says, well, if you will be with me. And instead of humbly submitting to the promises God was giving him, he instead tries to set the terms of the covenant. And that's what so many people do with God. They try to make deals with God. They try to bargain with God. Well, if God gives me this, then maybe I'll serve him. Right? That's dealing with God on your own terms. You compare and contrast God's promises. You read God's promises, and again, we don't have time to go into it, uh, look at it this evening. But God does say in these covenantal promises, I will do this. I will do that. I will do this for you. They are God-centered. They are God's promises, right? And they are focused on God. Jacob's Jacob's conditions were man-centered, right? If you do this for me, if you'll do that for me, And yet, being the enigma, God was gracious to him. Should be wonderful for us. God doesn't call, like maybe you or or I might have done if we were in his shoes, right? God just called the whole thing off and said, look, I've had enough. I can't hang with this Jacob dude anymore. He doesn't even get it whenever I pull him into a dream, right? I have just given Jacob a supernatural experience an unconscious encounter, and he's down here trying to haggle with me. right? But God hung in there. Just like He's hanging in there with you and He's hanging in there with me. The sad thing about the story tonight is up to this point, Jacob remains unchanged. He'd been given a vision by God. He remained the same. It's unbelievable in a sense, but whenever you understand the propensity of the flesh to get in God's way, you realize that it's not incredible at all. Now, from what I spoke about, I want to ask you, will we remain unchanged? Please, please don't leave the meeting tonight. Please don't say, wasn't that a nice bubble study? Wasn't that wonderful? You know, I never thought of that before. I want you to go away changed, transformed in such a way that your environment and everybody that comes into the vicinity of you will be changed as well. I want our church to be changed. I want our community to be changed. I want our country to be changed. Is that too big? Well, how big is your God? Because God lives in all believers. The glory of His presence comes to rest only in a few. 
repeat that again. God lives in every believer. But the glory of his presence, the peace that comes with his presence, comes to rest in only a few. Will you be one of the few that will be a gateway to bring his presence to this place? I hope so. Can we pray? Now, Lord, we're asking you for just a little bit of heaven on earth. That's what we need. That's what people need to see. They need to see that God lives and God is real. Lord, these are your people and they need a touch from you to know that you're there. Pray that you'll touch them just now. I pray that that this meeting, people will have dreams, will have visions. I pray that the gifts of the Spirit can be imparted and released in our lives. That the new characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit will explode within us. Wherever we go tomorrow, we'll carry that fragrance of the presence of Jesus on us. Others will be able to see and hear that we have been with Jesus. Lord, pour something out upon us tonight that is beyond anything we've ever experienced before. Do whatever you want to do. I don't know what it sounds like. I don't know what it looks like. As long as it's from you, that's all that matters. Oh God, would you come and would you do it? Lord, we pray. We thank you for your presence here tonight. We thank you for your voice. And we pray that it will not fall on the ground because of our neglect of it. These things we pray in your all-present name. Amen. Okay, cool. Thanks, buddies. Well, friend, that's it for this week. I'm curious what you have to think. Can you see Jacob? And yourself, can you look at your own life and see the enigma that exists between you and God that you recognize how much God loves you and yet you work hard and find yourself further from God? It's an enigma. It's a mystery. We love God and yet we seem to find ourselves working our way from God. Even despite our worst efforts, we find God coming to find us. Well, friend, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope that you will end Wednesday with the next installment of The Story of Jacob. Thanks, buddy. Have a great week. <laughs>